0: You are listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Thank you, Jill. Good morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in the passages that Jill just read for us. Specifically, we're going to be in verse 19. And in verse 19, even more specifically, We're going to spend all of our time unpacking a word that we see uh, in that verse that just happens to be the name of our church. As you're turning there, uh, if you're new here, my name's Jamin. Welcome to Citizens. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. We're thrilled that you chose to worship with us this morning. If you're watching online, whether you've been doing that for a long time, or maybe this is your first time, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, Just to make sure before we begin that you didn't miss this announcement, this service time of this service is changing on September 4th from 11.15 to 11 o'clock. I know that's not a dramatic change, but part of what we're hoping to do uh, in that is to have more people from our nine o'clock uh, come to this service, because that service is um, uh, pretty much consistently 100 to 200 people more than what this service is. And so we're trying to make space for uh, visitors by having them come here. Uh, and what we're telling them, uh, what we're telling the nine is uh, that our favorite people come to the 11.15. so. <laughs> Uh, feel encouraged about that, uh, but that change is on September 4th, so you'll have to show up just a little early. Somebody asked me, "Did you guys change the service time from 11:15 to 11 so that I would show up at 11:15?" And the answer is uh, no, but <laughs> we do expect that to happen. Um, I saw a question posed online a couple of months ago, and the question was this: What is something that you could talk about with no notes for 20 minutes? and hold an audience's attention. Um, What do you, the idea is what's something that you, not only do you know a lot about it, but you love it so that you could communicate about it from your head and your heart in such a way that it would be interesting to to other people. Do you have an answer? What's something you could talk about for 20 minutes with no notes and people would actually care what you're saying? You know, I think public speaking is like one of the top five phobias. So for some of you, that's probably your worst nightmare actually. Um, But I talk, in front of people often, and I thought about that. What could I talk for 20 minutes about with with no notes? Uh, And the first thing that came to mind is I think I could talk about coffee for 20 minutes with no notes. I don't know that anybody would care, but I think I could do it. Um, I could talk about the 2011 Dallas Mavericks championship and why that was the greatest championship in the history of sports. And not only could I talk about it for 20 minutes in a way that you care, I think at the end of that we would all just go get Dirk Nowitzki tattoos together. That's how... (laughs) confident I am in talking about that. Um, I could talk about each of my kids and what I love about each of my kids for for hours, and probably the only people who would care as much as I care is my wife, but I could do that. And then the other thing that came to mind when I saw that was I could talk about uh, our church like that, Um, Citizens Church, our story, what I love about this place, what God has done here, how he sustained us, you. You. The people who who make this place beautiful, I could talk about that for a really long time. Um, I love our church, and today is a bit of a marker for us. It was the first Sunday of August in two thousand and nineteen that we officially became our own church citizens church and and by officially I mean that's when we had our own 501c3 and stuff like that. Um, When the village commissioned us, it was the second Sunday of September. So we kind of consider that to be like our, our birthday. So we really are just a few weeks away from, from turning three years old. But here's the point. Um, This Sunday and the Sundays in August and a couple of the Sundays in September, they really hold so much by way of marker for our church and memory for our church and really hard moments for our church and really beautiful moments for our church. And so I've just been thinking about us a lot. I've said all that I'm about to say, I've said it before, but I learned to love Jesus in my home growing up. I learned to love the word of God at Criswell College, where I studied. I learned to love the people of God here This congregation has taught me to love God's people. Starting back in 2014 when we launched as a campus, all the way till now, God has taught me to love his people through this wonderful congregation and all that God has has led us through. And I don't primarily mean that as a pastor. I've said this before. I mean that just as a Christian. I love being a member here at this church. I love that my kids are growing up at this church. Um, I love learning from the godly and gifted women and men that, that lead at this church and serve at this church. I love worshiping here. If the elders fired me as pastor on a Saturday night, I would be here as a member on a Sunday morning. I wouldn't make eye contact with any of the elders, obviously. <laughs> but, but I would be here. I, I love our church. And so I, I was sitting right over there as Dave preached last Sunday and did a phenomenal job talking about the church and wrapped up our series on foundational beliefs. In a few weeks, we'll get back into our wisdom series. But this morning, I just want to take some time To just talk about us, uh, to talk about Citizens Church, to to remind us of who we are, of who I hope God's making us, to take time and name what is good and lovely, to take some time and name the current threats to our church that'll keep us from becoming who uh, God wants us to become. Uh, And and really, we find all of that, and we're going to unpack all of that by spending all of our time on one word that we find in verse 19, uh, it will be longer than 20 minutes, and I am going to use notes, just to be clear. Ephesians 2:17, it says this, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. In the immediate context, Paul is writing to Gentiles in Ephesus, telling them that they are now connected to the Jewish people. They're now connected to the, the people of God. 18 says this, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow what? citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Uh, This congregation started as a campus of the village church in September of 2014. Were any of you here for that? Amazing. Yeah, at the nine, somebody shouted out OGs or something, which I thought was... Appropriate. Um, the plan from the beginning, from the day that we started in September of 2014, the plan was to become our own church one day. Uh, that came down from the leadership of the village, Matt and Josh, and their elders and their leaders there. And so we knew, even as a campus, even on day one, that one day we would become uh, our own church. And I know maybe many of you have come in the last year, maybe in the last six months, and you don't know this as, as part of our story, but we really started moving Seriously, towards becoming our own church in the summer of 2018, we moved buildings. Uh, We had been meeting in a place like two miles from here, and we moved into this building. And then that fall, our elders got away uh, for a couple of days to pray and plan. And we really, there were a lot of things that we needed to talk about. There were a lot of decisions we needed to make. But the most important one was we needed a name for our church. We needed to know what we were going to call this place. And We were not naming something new. We were naming something that already existed, and uh, we knew that people would really care about what we were called, and it needed to matter, and it needed to have meaning, and it needed to be significant. And most of all, we wanted to to honor God. And so we went into that weekend with a list of a 100 or more church name options, and they were based on location, based on theology, based on culture, based on hopes, and what we did was we all circled kind of our, the, the ones that stood out to us, the five or ten that stood out, and then we just talked about them out loud, and each person kind of mentioned why and, and what they thought. And I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Saladin, uh, our longest tenured elder, who was the first one to look at the list and say, "Hey, I um, I kind of love citizens." And the very first response, someone immediately said, "No, that's a bank." I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll keep going. Uh, and, and kept talking and talked about some other ones and then just kept coming back to this. Someone else said, hey, you know what? I'm with Jeff. I, I think I really love Citizens. And we uh, talked at the time about some concerns around the name. It was at a time when uh, immigration and border and all that was highly politicized and controversial, just like it is now. And we worried about how that could potentially be misunderstood and how that could be you know, confusing. And so we kind of moved on. But then we just kept coming back to that name, all of those concerns withstanding. And then what we did was we opened our Bibles and we looked at the passages in the New Testament where Christians are called citizens. There are three of them. And it was in this passage in Ephesians where our hearts really began to be won over, not just won over, but our hearts began to be convinced and excited about a church named Citizens. In my mind, I began to envision standing here on this stage and looking out at you one day and saying, welcome to Citizens Church, and saying that with a tremendous amount of confidence and excitement and vision and hope and all that. And so here it is in verse 19. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Many of us are familiar with the first part of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Mike preached through it a couple weeks ago, did a wonderful, compelling job of talking about salvation. There's popular verses in the first part of Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, it's a gift from God. The last half of Ephesians 2 is the outworking of that. It's the so what. It's the what's true about you in light of the fact that you've been reconciled with God. And namely, the emphasis is not only are we now right with God, but we now belong to God's people. We were once separated from God and from the people of God, but now we're united with both. We're saved by grace, through faith, into relationship with God and into relationship with all those who belong to God. And the Bible's going to give a lot of names to that group of people. It's going to call us the body of Christ. It'll call us the family of God. It'll call us saints. And all of those names are a little bit more popular. They get a little bit more ink in the Bible than the name citizens. But one of the names is citizens. And one of the things that we left that time in in 2018 knowing was that if we name our church Citizens Church, we're going to have to explain it. It's going to create this, what does that mean kind of moment in a different way than like Grace Church does, right? Or in a different way than if we had named it like I Love God Church, right? There's not a whole lot of of questions asked around that. That's pretty straightforward. But Citizens is a little bit more confusing. It it invites a follow-up conversation and that's what we wanted. Like, what's true then and what's true now is we have to give a reason in 2019, now in 2022, why citizens? What does it mean to be a citizen? And that was and is exciting because the answer is just so incredible. The answer is just so packed with meaning and so packed with um, just the Sincere, beautiful truths of who God is and what God's doing. Here's what it means, friend. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. It means you belong to Jesus. And because you belong to Jesus as a citizen, two things are true. You are part of a better story and you have a beautiful identity. You are part of a better story and you possess a beautiful identity as a citizen of the kingdom of God. The better story is this. God is redeeming the world by bringing the world that this world is waiting for in and through Jesus. Jesus preaches in his very first sermon and says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He prays in his beautiful prayer, in a sentence in that prayer that summarizes the message of the entire Bible, he prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible will talk about Where we live now is the present evil age, and it's a world that's marked by sin and brokenness and death and cancer and conflict and abuse and idolatry and betrayal and immorality and all kinds of sad and broken things. And then the Bible talks about the age to come, and it's a time when tears are wiped away and righteousness and justice fills the earth. Isaiah says that they will take their swords and spears and they will make them into plows and pruning hooks. Weapons of war will be weapons of work because Jesus will usher in an eternity of peace that has no need for weapons, no more sin, no more death, no more idolatry. Everything sad and broken is put to right. The present evil age, the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness. The age to come, the Bible calls the kingdom of God. And the true and better story of being a citizen of the kingdom is this, that kingdom has come now. The kingdom has already begun. It's what theologians call the already not yet. There are ways in which it's not realized, ways in which it's not consummated, it's not fulfilled, but there are ways in which the kingdom is present among us because of Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 1 You've been transferred, you have been transferred, active, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Jesus died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, the place of power. In his resurrection, his ascension, and his rule, the future kingdom has begun now. You, Christian, you're a part of that. You belong to that. And one of the ways that we've... I, just, I am just so convinced that it's so important to continue beating this drum because it's just the truest thing I know. And, and we've talked about it in ways before. I've run out of illustrations, so I'm just reusing old ones. One of the ways we've talked about it is we live in this turn of the seasons kind of moment in redemptive history. So... Let me explain. It has been brutally hot this summer. And all God's people said. And we say that every summer, but this summer has been like near record-breaking hot almost every day. And it's the kind of hot where you don't want to like go outside to get the mail. You're like, I'll get it in December or something like that, right? (laughs) It's the kind of hot where you have to start your car like an hour before you get in it so the seatbelt doesn't give you like a third degree burn or something like that. It's really, really hot. Here's what's going to happen, my friend. As we get closer to the fall, September, probably more like October, um, temperatures are going to drop a little bit. And one day it's just going to be this really dramatic drop in temperature. Like you're going to wake up, praise God. And the low will be in like the low sixties, maybe even high fifties. And you're going to walk outside and fall to your knees and just give thanks to God. Right. (laughs) And then you will think something, probably something along the lines of, Oh, fall is coming. Like the leaves are gonna start dropping. It's gonna be like this more than just a day. Now, later that day, it's gonna be 100 degrees again. But just for that moment, right? It was like a little bit of fall that, that interrupted summer. And, and the, the, the 60, 50 degree temperatures, they're not meaningless. It's not a fluke, it's a sign of something. It's a sign of what's to come. Fall is coming. And we live in that kind of turn of the seasons moment in God's story and redemptive history. We live in a, the present evil age is here, the kingdom of darkness is here, it will pass away. The kingdom of God is not here like it one day will be, but it is present in a way that we can have confidence, right? So, so surrounded by the old kingdom, we're surrounded by the climate of sin and suffering and all of that, but the moment Jesus rose from the dead, there's these bursts of kingdom climate that fill his world and run through his world and and God saving men and women and flooding their life with forgiveness, that's a sign that the kingdom has come. It both is and is coming. And as God changes us to look more like Jesus and, and to love one another, it's this sign that the kingdom both is and is coming. The season's changing. And as we help the vulnerable and welcome the outcast and love our enemies, it's a sign that the kingdom is and is coming. And as we worship the one true God and live our lives with allegiance to King Jesus, it's a sign. Things are changing. The kingdom is and it's coming. And as a church, our highest joy our deepest, sincerest responsibility is to live as citizens of that kingdom in such a way that we put what's coming in the future on display in the present. That's the dream here. That's the better story. And, you know, in a world where we are surrounded by different false stories, what we wanted was to just put a stake in the ground as a church and say, we are committed to telling the better story, holding ourselves accountable for remembering and rehearsing this better story. So in a world that says your life, the story of your life is you are the meaning you make, so you better do something incredible. The story of the world is right versus left, so you better pick the right side. The story of the world is good people versus bad people, so be a good person. The story of the world is there's nothing beyond this life, so be your own God, make up your own religion. The story around you is you are what you have, so you better get as much as you can. What we want to do in that kind of climate, what we wanted to do in 2018, what we want to do now in 2022, is stand on the truth that we have a much better story to tell, a much truer story to tell, the one of Jesus and his kingdom and his citizens who, by God's grace, can be a small picture of what is to come. And by naming our church Citizens Church, we want to hold ourselves accountable to telling that better story. And maybe, just maybe, by God's grace, God's kingdom would come a bit more on Earth as it is in heaven, in and through us, in and through this church right here in the heart of Plain of Texas. Not only do we tell the better story, but tied up in that name, citizen, we remind one another that we have a beautiful identity. We possess a beautiful identity that you, Christian, will never lose. You are a citizen of heaven. You are loved by King Jesus. You are not the meaning you make. You're not. You're not the sins you've committed. You're not your worst moment. You're not the lies you believe. You're not the career you'll never have. You're not the things you lose. You're not the names you've been called. And the hope, every time we gather, anytime you go into our home groups or our recovery groups or our Bible classes or our gatherings or our night of worships or on our mission trips, the hope would be either implicitly or explicitly. You're reminded of who you are, of who God has made you and who God is making you. So like right now, you're in church at Citizens Church. Did you fight with your spouse all week? Or or was your life filled with some sort of relational conflict all week, and you're coming in frustrated? You're a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom of peace that's free of fighting and conflict, and that's coming one day. Did you feel lonely all week? You can't shake this feeling that you just don't belong anywhere. You're a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom that is a family. You have a heavenly father. Jesus the king is your brother. We are your people. You belong here. You're one of us. Did you feel crushed by shame all week? You, you can't stop hearing accusation of what you're not. You're not enough you're not as godly as you should be, you're not worthy, you're unlovable, and you're coming in crushed by the weight of those kinds of words. You're a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom that has a great high priest, King Jesus, your advocate, and he will one day forever silence the voice of the enemy. And today, right now, he speaks words of life and intercession over you and about you. Did you feel afraid all week? unsure about your future, what's going to happen to you, and you're coming in insecure and uncertain about your life. You are a citizen of heaven. You belong body and soul to Jesus, our King. He holds you and loves you. You have an inheritance that is imperishable and a future that's eternal. And when everything passes away, what remains is Jesus, his kingdom, his citizens. That's you. And so for almost three years now, it has been my joy every Sunday to look at you, my brothers and sisters and say, welcome to citizens church. That's the dream to live that out together, to be and become citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God. Now here's what's true. We are a church in Collin County, Texas. We are a church in Plano. We became a church in 2019. We are a church now in 2022. There's a lot of pressure around us, and even among us, to be a different kind of church than the one we wanna be, Um, to be a different kind of church than the one that boasts the better story and, and talks about the better identity, the beautiful identity. This area of our world is highly religious. This area of the world is highly consumer. This area of our world is highly political, highly polarized along political lines. And that climate around us has a way of putting pressure on a church to become more like the climate, which makes the church less like a church. I just want to name exactly what I'm talking about because it's really important. There's a pressure to make the church political. It's for the the church to pick a a side of the partisan politics and just kind of regurgitate those party lines. There's a pressure to make the church supplemental, where it's just kind of an optional add-on part of your Christianity. There's a pressure to make the church transactional, where... Uh, We run this place like a religious business and I'm a religious CEO and you're religious consumers and we offer religious products. What I'm realizing, my friends, almost three years in, is that there are a lot of ways to fail as a church. Maybe when we think of failure, we think of an empty building, we think of lights off, we think of the doors locked, and depending on the story, maybe that's a kind of failure. But there's also a kind of failure where a church fails by succeeding at what doesn't matter. There's a kind of failure where the place is packed with people, empty of the presence of God. There's a kind of failure where the budget is growing, but the lives are diminishing. There's a kind of failure where the the place looks a lot like success, but the people look nothing like Jesus. Lord, help us. Everything in me, everything in us wants to fight against that. I would rather fail chasing a meaningful dream than succeed at something that doesn't matter. That's not true about us, by God's grace, truly. But I do, I want to unpack the idea of being a citizen and intentionally contrast that with some things because I think it's really important. Citizens' church is theological, not political. Being a citizen means church is essential, not supplemental. And we believe about church that citizens is formational, not transactional. Let me take some time on each of those briefly. Citizens Church is theological, not political. Um, I love this country. I really do. I especially love this state, Texas forever. Um, we've got a responsibility as Christians living in this country. We live in a democracy, and what that means is to some degree we have an ability to affect change, and we have an ability to hold thing- people accountable, and, and we have an ability to steward well of our kingdom values, and actually see those make a difference in the world around us. And so I think we need to be really faithful, and we need to think really wisely about what it looks like to try and participate as Christians in a really broken, really complicated political system. The Bible tells us to pray for our governing leaders, and I hope, I hope you do. Um, the Bible gives us permission to hold accountable where we can. The Bible tells all of us to pursue peace and to live peacefully, and I believe all that. But there has been around us a conflation of the purpose of the church with partisan politics, and I want no part of that. We want no part of that. I've had conversations with people who have come to our church who were told by pastors at other churches, if you're a Republican, that means you're a racist. I've had conversations with people who have come to our church who have been told by pastors at other churches, if you vote Democrat, you're not a Christian. A pulpit which is intended by God to stand on the word of God and teach the truth of God. It breaks the heart of God when that pulpit sounds less like an embassy for the kingdom of God and more like a platform for a political party. It won't happen here. It won't happen here. I am not saying political views don't matter. I believe with all my heart that our theology should inform our politics I do think there are some political positions that are untenable with what we believe as Christians. I believe that I'm not a relativist, but I also know that in a lot of areas, two people can believe the same theology and love what God loves. And as they try and work that out in a complicated, complex, broken world and broken system, they can land in different places. And there has to be space for that space to disagree, space to be wrong, space to learn from one another. There has to be space for that. Even more true than that, As naive as it might be, what I what I believe with my whole heart is that when we fix our eyes on Jesus and give our allegiance to Jesus and we order our loves around Jesus, I think he's just gonna work it out in our hearts. When Jesus chose his disciples, he chose people, he chose disciples from across the political spectrum. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector, was an employee of the Roman Empire. He was on Rome's payroll. He had he loved Rome. He had given more of his heart than he should to his country. Simon the Zealot hated Rome, planned violence against Rome, wanted to overthrow Rome. He had given more of his hate than he should to his country. And you know what happened to both men? They both give their hearts to. And they ultimately both give their lives for Jesus. They learn to love one another, not because a shared vision for the country, but a shared obsession with Jesus and a shared hope in the kingdom. And that's what we're after. The official political position of Citizens Church is this. Jesus is king. He is all we've got. He is all we need. He is in sovereign control over all things. He's not elected by the people. He's sent by the Father. He doesn't win votes. He changes hearts. His platform is an empty tomb and an occupied throne. He is the unimpeachable, eternal, glorious Lord of heaven and earth. One day, every knee bows to him. One day, every tongue confesses him. One day, every tear is wiped away by him. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And friends, we love everything best when we love King Jesus most. We love our family best and our community best and our city best and our country best when we love him most. Jesus is King. If you have any more questions about that, you can email me. My email is adamhawkins at (laughs) citizenschurch.com. Church is essential, not supplemental. I'll be brief and hopefully careful here, Uh, meaningful commitment to a local church is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian. It's not a supplemental part. One of my pastor friends says it like this, your relationship with God is a community project. It requires other people, which means, Christian, you need to be committed to a local community of faith, a local church. And and listen, here's what I want you to know. Um, That might not be here. There might be things about church here that inhibit you from being as committed as, as what God would have you be, uh, distance, service times, uh, ministries that your family need that we don't offer, uh, a size that you, you just feel like you could flourish more if a church was smaller or larger or something like that. And I want you to hear from me. We do not care as much that you're meaningfully involved in this church. We want you meaningfully involved as a Christian in a church somewhere that preaches the Bible, somewhere that exalts Jesus as the supreme love of all of our lives. And if, and if that's not here, I just pray it's somewhere for you. At Citizens, what that means is that means Sunday morning gatherings and being a part of one of our communities, our home groups or our recovery groups or being a part of our classes, like our Bible classes and steps and being a part of our mission initiatives. And here's what I know, that I want you to know that I know. There is a lot in life that competes with involvement in those things. And there's a lot of really good things in life that compete with commitment to all that. And different seasons of life affect and shape all that. The Roller family is going through that right now, the season of life that we're in. I I feel like we are busier than we've ever been. And that makes commitment to all kinds of good things really complicated. And I know this. I know that some of you sincerely love this place, are committed to this place, are doing the very best you can in a very busy season. and that still means that you're here less than what you'd like to be or or less than what you need to be. And, And there's so much grace for that, so much understanding for that. What I have no interest in doing, I have no interest in guilting anyone into coming to church more or guilting anyone into getting into a class or something like that. Usually when pastors like me do that, that has a lot more to do with their own insecurities and a lot less to do with their love for their people. What I think is more compelling than that is just for you to hear this we want you here, we want you here. I I don't think that we can truly live in the better story and live into our beautiful identity if we're not involved in these gatherings together, in our communities together, in our classes together, in our mission trips together. And and the reality is this, wherever you are, whatever season you're in, maybe a good um, question to ask is, are we drifting from or are we moving towards And you answer that within whatever complicated season of life you have going on right now. Don't drift from, move towards, move towards. Because there is a special thing that we do here when we gather together, whatever it is that we're doing, like right here in our services, one day, all of the citizens of the kingdom of God gather together in the new heavens and the new earth. That's gonna happen one day. All of the citizens of God's kingdom are going to gather together for a huge eternal worship service. And so every Sunday we gather at 9 and 1115, soon to be 9 and 11, and we participate in that. Have you thought of that? What we're doing right now is participating in an eternal thing. Every Sunday you come, you won't always work your job. You won't always live in your house. You won't always have the hobbies you have. You won't always be a part of your school or your sport. You won't always be a part of your neighborhood, but citizen of heaven is what you are. And for all of eternity, you will gather with God's people and you will worship King Jesus. This is eternal, and it's good for us to step into that as often as we can. It is actually essential for us to step into that as often as we can. Last one is, we believe church is formational, not transactional. Uh, Last year, my whole family uh, went to a Mavs game, except for my youngest. She didn't like the noise, Um, so she stayed home. Uh, But it was an important game. It was late in the season. They were playing a playoff team. I think it was the Grizzlies And they were uh, competing for a a higher playoff spot. And so the game was really exciting. And in the fourth quarter, we fouled one of their guys. And I say we, assuming you're all Mavs fans, because I want to believe that about you. Um, But we fouled one of their guys, and he went to the free throw line. And as the guy is getting ready to shoot his first free throw, the arena erupts in noise. And it had been kind of quiet, like disappointingly quiet. Everyone just loses their mind. And then he misses the free throw, and the place is just chaotic. People are freaking out. And I'm like, finally, everyone cares as much as I do. And I look up at the Jumbotron, and it said two missed free throws, and everyone gets free Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. (laughs) And that's why everyone was cheering, because they wanted free Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. And I looked at my son, and I was like, hey, everyone's freaking out about the, the free food. And he said this to me. He's like, Dad, I don't, I don't like that. He said they should be cheering because they're fans, not because they get free food. And I thought, my first thought was he's only saying that because he's never had Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. <laughs> but I agreed. We were both kind of bothered by it. And, and he kind of whispered, he's like, I actually kind of hope he makes the free throw, like just to show them, right? And I did too. But fans are supposed to make noise because they're fans. Like, they're supposed to make noise when the other team is shooting a free throw simply because they're fans, because they cheer for the team. But we live in Dallas. We live in DFW. And we are generally a self-absorbed people, or or we can be. And so what you have to do is you have to incentivize the right behavior by adding something to what they should be doing, because what they should be doing is just simply not enough. So you appeal to the stomach, or you appeal to comfort, or you appeal to something like that. You make it transactional. If you cheer, you get... Free food. You can tell I'm really bothered by this, right? (laughs) If you do this, we will give you this. And at least in that moment, it changes the relationship from a group of people with a shared love of the home team who want the team to win. And in that moment, it changes it to a people that want to get a return from their effort, right? It becomes about this exchange. He made the free throw. The crowd groans. And me and Asher felt really justified in that. (laughs) um, Can I tell you, I, I had this thought. And forgive me, maybe this only makes sense in my really complicated brain, but I had this thought in that moment. I'm so glad we don't have to do that at Citizens. Like, I'm glad we don't have to do that as a church. I'm glad we don't have to incentivize being a Christian here. Like, we don't, nor nor do we have plans to make this place like a religious business where we offer... A transactional relationship to religious consumers as somebody who offers religious goods. Like we're being involved here. feels like this transaction, you come, you participate, you cheer, you serve, you give, and in return, you get this comfortable, rewarding religious environment or something like that. And I know there is a bit of that around us. Consumerism is the air we breathe. So there's definitely this thing around us where people uh, think of and evaluate churches the same way they do restaurants. But what I've found here, what is true here, what has been true here, I pray continues to be true, is that our great hope in all of this is not in what we get, but in who we're becoming. Church is formational. Like, what we have all said yes to, to some degree, is being and becoming citizens together. That's not here is what you offer and here's what you get in return. It's here is who we together can become in Jesus, and we can't become that without one another. We need one another to be able to form in the likeness of Christ like that, which means, friends, This is a safe place to be really messy and really broken and really in need of Jesus. If this is a place to pretend, if this is a place to act like a business, if this is a place to uh, have it all together, then it's not a safe place for that, right? But that's not what this is. Like, um, if this is religious business, then what that means is that means I have to be the guy who has all the answers uh, and who has it all together. And I am not that guy. What is true is I am the guy who has a lot more I don't knows than I wish I did. And I am the guy that has a lot more problems than I wish I did. But here's the the beautiful news of the gospel. I am not a CEO, I'm a pastor. I'm just a broken man that God has placed in this role right now to help broken people hold on to a savior who delights in putting broken people back together. And that's what we get to do together. If church is formational, if we're here to change, what it means for you, friend, look right at me. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. That thing that happens so often as we come into church and we just roll through this really long list of things that we feel guilty of, and we roll through this really long list of people who we think are better than us or further along than us, that's not what we're doing here. It's not a place to pretend. And the things in your life that are messiest, the habits in your life, or addictions in your life, or the secrets in your life, or the struggles in your life, or the grief in your life, or the loss in your life, or the pain in your life, you don't have to hide that. You can walk in honesty about those things. You can trust that when we walk in honesty and transparency together, link arms together, eyes fixed on Jesus together, he brings healing and change. And you know what's a lot better than pretending? Being changed by Jesus. Being made in the likeness of Christ. This is the gathering of the citizens of heaven. We were once enemies of God. Now we are his treasured people. We believe a better story. We believe a beautiful identity. And with that comes the joy of looking back and saying, I'm not who I was. And with that comes the freedom to look right now and say, I'm not who I should be. And with that comes the confidence of looking forward and saying, like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he will surely do it. God's going to complete a good work in you as we leak arms together and follow Jesus together as citizens. Verse 20 really summarizes all of that in different words. It's talking about the church, and it says Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You know the best thing that we have going on at Citizens Church? It's not a program. It's not an event. It's the presence of the resurrected, exalted, vindicated Jesus. You know, the greatest compliment anyone could ever pay our church is that we, when we come together, we look like Jesus. The unconditional sin covering love of Jesus is evident among us. You know, the greatest day in Citizens Church history is the day that we stand with all the saints before Jesus. He looks at us and says, well done. And we say back to him, you're worth it all. Until that day, may we continue being faithful. Until that day. May we continue to live as citizens in the better story, with a better identity, looking to Jesus, our great and glorious King. Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your kindness to us. Would your word go out in power, please, God, Would it fall in a way that exceeds far beyond the knowledge of the messenger, far beyond the gifts of the messenger, far beyond the expectations of the messenger? Would your word run way out ahead of me, God, and fall into the lives and the hearts of your people, your children, Jesus, your brothers and sisters? And would it affect change? Would an outcome of this morning be that... that, um, a family in here decides that as difficult as it might be that what they need, God, is they need to find a local community of faith that they can invest in even if it's not here. Lord, may an outworking of this be that families, God, together would decide, roommates, God, together would decide. We want to move towards. We want to take a step forward. Lord, would an outworking of this be that someone here a little bit of trust in church would return to their heart. That they would think maybe I can actually be honest here about what's going on in my life. Maybe the people here have sincere motives for why they do what they do. Not completely pure, but sincere. Maybe I I can find a home and belonging here, God. Would you do that by your spirit, O Lord? Most of all, King Jesus, would you preserve us and keep us? I pray that the magnificent obsession of the people of Citizens Church would continue to be the glorious, risen, perfect, kind, gentle, lowly, victorious king. That's who you are, Jesus. We love you. Amen.